At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Wolfie Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got an excellent podcast for you. Joining me in segment number two, we are going to be joined by Mike Randall. He does great work over at FTN Network, taking a look at so many different things. Obviously, college basketball, and he himself has a tremendous podcast called the Screen the Screener Podcast. You're able to catch that wherever your podcast and going to be joining me. We're going to talk a little bit about the games that we've got for Saturday. We're going to talk a little bit about what we've seen this week with fans really still showing up despite the fact that we've got a lot of students that are away on Christmas break. I have been pleasantly surprised by how many of these stadiums have just been absolutely packed. So we're going to be taking a look at some of those angles, some of the teams that he's feeling a little bit bullish on, a little bit bearish on as well. So we're going to have a good time there in the final segment. Going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Friday as we hit some bank shots. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I have that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter slash X questions today, and I've got a few that I'll be rounding up when we've got our Christmas Day shows, and we're going to be having a lot to be able to parse through there because... We're going to have a few days where there's going to be no college basketball action, so anything that I might have missed for today, that'll be taken care of there, so have no worries, and I am very much checking that Twitter slash X timeline, so fire those in. Like I said, we're going to have a lot of time the next few days to be able to get through those, but let's take a look at everything that we did see on a pretty wild college basketball Friday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Right now, your top cover team in all of college basketball is Minnesota. They were able to get the job done with the cover on Thursday, but your second best cover team is now Marist. Marist is 9-1 and one against the spread. They don't win, but they cover against Notre Dame as about six, six half point underdogs. This by kind of 60 to 56. 
for Maris. They've been doing a tremendous job on defense, a top 20 team in terms of points slot on a per-possession basis. And getting the win for Notre Dame, Marcus Burton, he was able to do a nice job supplying 21 points, four steals, but you also had Notre Dame turn it over 15 times. Notre Dame won the rebound battle, but looking like a little bit of a rough year out there, and it was a quality cover for our good friends, the old Foxes. If you're looking at the team as currently worst in all of college basketball covering the good old IEPUI, they were not in action, and a lot of your worst cover eight teams, they were not in action, so you didn't have to worry about a lot of those, but we did have a team in Queens who has been a little bit up and down, and they just could not stay in front of Clemson. 109-79 to as for Clemson. 10 of 19 from three-point range. And Queens loses this game going 14 of 42 from distance. They were able to get A.J. McKee going for 18 points, but this is a Clemson team that's been a very pleasant surprise this year on the podcast tomorrow. We'll have on Tristan Freeman. He does tremendous work over at Boston Brackets. I know that he's very much dialed in on the ACC, and we'll talk about them a little bit more, but that has been quite the sight to behold. And getting back to Maris, they've also been one of your top under teams in college basketball as well. Out of their 10 games as far as the season, eight of them have fallen under the total. And for Notre Dame, nine out of their 12 games have fallen under the total. So that's been interesting to take a look at. And another one of those top under teams has been Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee falls to Southern Utah by kind of 69-63. This total was 140.5, so another very solid under Middle Tennessee out of their 12 games. Nine have now gotten under the total. This is despite the fact that Justin Porter was able to pack in there 26 points. And for Southern Utah, they go just 6 of 23 from three-point range, but they do a nice job winning that turnover battle. Not even kidding here. 16-3. to how about a few teams that have been very good to the under thus far this season and went over? Mississippi Valley State certainly has been an under team thus far this season, and the over hits in their game. Now, it wasn't because Mississippi Valley State did their part with scoring. They scored 48 points against Baylor, but Baylor put up 107 and just an absolute buck kicking. Going into this game, Mississippi Valley State averaging 5.6 points fewer per one arm possessions than your next least efficient team in all of college basketball and offense. And for Mississippi Valley State, 20 made field goals on 20 turnovers. Baylor, 19 of 30 from three-point range. Just an absolute lambasting. And then I personally like this one under, and Drexel just got absolutely destroyed on defense against Bryant. Bryant able to pull this off. 104 to 86. Drexel was a top 35 team and turns points a lot on a per possession basis, and they ran into a freight train. Bryant, 15 of 22 from three point range. Sharif Gross Bullock, 29 points. Earl Timberlake, a triple double, 15 points, 10 assists, and 11 rebounds. And for Drexel, they went 7 to 20 from three. That's like almighty hot for them. So we did see a little bit of strangeness in college basketball on the card. For Friday, but there's nothing strange about this one. How about BYU and them just continuing to roll? 101 to 59. They just completely take it to Bellarmine, and this has been a BYU team that's been one of your more trustworthy in all of college basketball as well. Against the spread, they are now 10 and 2. As for BYU, they go 16 of 39 from three-point range. Nobody scored north of 14 points, but they were able to get six different guys into double figures. Just a very well-rounded effort once again for them, and this team is starting to warm up quite a bit as well. How about Illinois? They just completely destroyed Missouri by kind of 97-73, as those were a lot of the top trend teams in college basketball. Now let's just take a look at some general results, but for Illinois, how about T.J. Shannon? 30 points, 11 boards. It was a Missouri team that was actually able to win the turnover battle 10-7, but that's about all they won in this one. 
Illinois uh, rebounds them 41 to 35. You had Sean East pack in there 18 points, but Missouri just 6 of 27 from three point range. Illinois really coming to the forefront as a team that can be reckoned with. You've got a Utah State team that's been pretty solid this far this season. They don't cover the 16 and a half against East Tennessee State, but another quality win by a count of 80 to 65. Certainly a team that's coming onto my radar, as is this one. The Mountain West is right now packed with a bunch of really good teams, and Colorado State is one of them. They go on the road, they get the cover by a count of 76 to 67, and for Colorado State, they are now 8 and 3 against the spread themselves. As for Colorado State, they go to 6 of 18 from 3 far range, and Loyola Marymount actually goes 12 of 26 from the outside, but Colorado State, they win the turnover battle by a count of 12 to 9, and for Colorado State, they did a nice job knifing the ball inside as well. They go from two-point range, 24 out of 35. You had 23 big points out of Nikwe Clifford, and that's just the beauty of the team. You've got so many guys that just work so well, know their role, and it's a Colorado State team that's really been able to rise up thus far this season. Kansas, no cover, but a relatively solid result in the second half against Yale. The line was 15 and a half. They win by 15, 75 to 60 as for Kansas. Very encouraging sign. Off the bench, Nicholas Simberlake, who's had his struggles, 13 points. It was just the Kevin McCullough game in this one, though. 34 points, 6 boards. You did have Hunter Dickinson supply 10 rebounds. Only 8 points, though. So, it's been a Kansas team. has been a little bit herky-jerky thus far this season, but that was a relatively encouraging sign to see Timberlake coming off the bench, doing a solid job, and this Kansas team has been looking quite stout with their defense as well. A team has been not looking so stout is actually Middle Tennessee, who I was alluding to before. They are now 3-9 against the spread, but Texas, they are 3-8 against the spread. They get the win against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, but wasn't a comfortable one. 71-55 the final for Texas. Defense was very solid in this one. Texas A&M Corpus Christi goes just 4-8 team from three-point range. Meanwhile, for Texas, they did lose a turnover battle, 14-11. to Max Aismans, 17 points and a double-double out of Dylan Mitchell, but certainly would like to see that be a little bit more convincing. What has been convincing has been these DK Network write-up picks. We're up to 28-20, so been a relatively solid start to the season. UAB has had a rough go of it, to say the least. I took them with the points. I personally like them on the money line for those that tuned into the Greg Peterson experience and for those that were listening to the podcast yesterday as well. And in overtime, UAB, 79-78 to winners for UAB. Every one of their starters gets to at least 9 points. For Drake, 6 of 19 from 3 par inch. And Drake, to their credit, went 12 of 12 at the free throw line, but... A UAB team that has struggled from three. They go eight of 20 from the outside. They get to the free throw line constantly in this one. So that was a nice yay verily win there. And then one of your better over teams in college basketball, Tulane. They went way under the total against George Mason. Tulane, they lose outright 69 to 66 as for George Mason. Ronald Polite stepped up in a big way. He politely humped out your bankroll with 16 points, seven boards, six assists, and then Keyshawn Hall. A nice double-double against the Tulane team has been dealing with a lot of injuries. One of the most up-tempo teams in all of college basketball only had six six different guys log at least three minutes in this one. So that's got to be a little bit concerning moving forward. And you have no concerns with this team, even though they didn't cover. It was still a pretty good performance. James Madison, they get the win by a count of 89-75. to 75. This was against Morgan State as for James Madison. 
a little bit of an off three-point shooting effort in this one. They go 9 of 30 from three. You figured there'd be a little bit of three-point shooting regression there, but they were so efficient. They win the turnover battle by kind of 12 to 9. They win the rebound battle as well. So it's a James Madison team that really has it cooking right now. And another team that has it cooking is Wisconsin. They get the win and cover against a Chicago State team that has been quite upstart the last few weeks. 80-53, to 53, the finalized for Wisconsin. They do so while going just 4 of 15 from 3 par range, but Chicago State, a rough 3 of 19 three-point shooting performance for Chicago State. They just really weren't able to find the bottom of the basket, and Wisconsin was able to win that rebound battle by kind of 42-35. to 35. So we had some fun basketball that went down on Friday, and if you're looking trend-wise at what we're getting in college basketball, over the last seven days, things have been a little bit underwhelming. I have to do this before the UMass versus Portland game went final because that one tipped off at right around about 10.30, and that is not going to be done by the time that this podcast uploads. But that said, 167 unders to 154 overs over the last seven days. That's a 52% hit rate to the under and underdogs. At home, have been doing a relatively solid job. 36-33-3 and three against the spread for home underdogs. That's right around 52.2%. Overall, underdogs, 163-156-9 against the spread. So, a little bit of a lead on favorites and overall for the season. We have seen underdogs have just a slight lead on favorites. 960-955-30 against the spread. While home underdogs, they're a little bit north of 51%. 223-213-10 against the spread. And despite the fact that the unders have been coming through the last few days, you still have a nice healthy lead for overs on unders with 975 overs, 950 unders and along the way we've had 20 pushes this year on totals as well. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now and that's what we all had on Friday. Now let's take a look at some of Saturday's games and some of the teams that our good friend Mike Randall of FTN Network is bullish slash bearish on. We do that next right here on Coast Coast with myself Greg Eves Peterson now a part of Visa Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot. 
The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at SBIA1.com today. ブラジルのビーバーズベガスプロカスケスイッチウィズマイセルフグレディプスピーターソンナウパートビーサンファミリーパドキャストアンドイツオーイズグッドトビージョインバイディスマンエスウィブガマイクランドオーボーディーダス
Greg, we are living the dream when you can tell me that we're getting ready for this interview. And I'm like, sure, hold on. I'm trying to argue between Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic tonight <laughs> on the NBA stream. We're living the dream. It's great to talk college groups on a Friday night. Oh, absolutely. We've got a little bit of everything that is going on. And we've had a great slate of college basketball this week as well. And how have you been deciphering these games just before the holiday season? Because we're going to have a few more for Saturday as well. But typically, I find this time of year that you get some strange upsets. Some crowds are a little bit half empty for these home teams. But I feel like this year, the home crowds have actually been a little bit better around this time with kids typically being off a break rather than what we've seen in past years. I don't know if you've identified that or not, but I've been actually pleasantly surprised by the fan turnout and the way the home teams have been able to perform these last few days. Yeah, two things. The fan turnout is number one. So when you can have fans and they pack it, it's making a huge difference. Primary example, I have been very much fading Memphis over the last few years because they couldn't make free throws besides Kendrick Davis. And yes, Memphis always showed out against Houston, but other than that, they struggled. But they put on quite a performance on Tuesday against Virginia. The fans were there. They were loud. And I like Memphis a lot this year. So yes, there have been games when the fans have really showed up and they have made a huge Huge difference. Colorado State at home is off to a great start. So absolutely. And we saw a fun game in Charlotte the other night where UNC took it to Oklahoma. So a lot of great games. The fans matter. Now, it's not necessarily true that they have to have the fans because sometimes you have these unique home-and-home games, which is something that you've always talked about, the flip-flopping back and forth. One that I hit last night I was very happy about, Troy playing Eastern Kentucky for the second time. There were no fans in the stands when I saw that game. I was a little worried about that one. But Scott Cross does a great job, usually covers now 6-1-1 one one against the spread this year, and they beat the Colonels. Yeah, that was absolutely tremendous. And we've been seeing a lot of that as well, like the New Mexico-New Mexico State game. New Mexico yeah, State got yeah. completely lambasted yeah. in that first game. Second game, they don't win it outright, but they were catching double figures. That was a one-point game. So I do think that that's a tremendous look. Unfortunately, we don't have too many of those that do pop up, but I'm so glad you mentioned Memphis because now they're going to be finding themselves as a very demonstrative favorite against Vanderbilt. This is an interstate rivalry with Memphis. They're between a 17 to an 18 point favorite. And I do think that the number is getting a little bit lofty. I'm just not Jones in delay 18 points here with Memphis, but how much do you take a look at something that I've talked about a little bit with this Memphis team and that we always talk about, oh, a player has come into his own, a player is starting to turn the corner. I feel like it's that way with coaches and maybe Penny Hardaway is out like a top 10 coach in all of college basketball or anything like that, but he's done a whole heck of a lot better the last 12 to 18 months rather than a few years ago when I remember it felt like he just was not putting his team in a very good position. Totally agree. And I flipped on him. I think a lot of it, Greg, is this nebulous. Do you have a connection with your players? Are they buying what you're selling? You can win it as a fast break team. You can win it as a slow paced team. Nothing is a better example than Virginia losing in the first round and then coming back to win the title. Tremendous chemistry. I like the chemistry on Memphis. And David Jones is just becoming a star. He's becoming a player that in the betting community, you can really rely on for them to cover. I agree. I think this is a lot of points and Vanderbilt is a rivalry, but I think Jerry Stackhouse has regressed to where we thought Penny Hardaway was a couple of years ago because this Vanderbilt team is god-awful. They can't make threes. They allow almost the worst percentage of three-pointers made to their opponents of any team this year. It is a struggle. I get the rivalry part, but they've lost six of seven. And I think that you, when you have a coach, 
If it's clicking and they have good chemistry and he has the right connection, it works. I think Penny Hardaway is on that track this year, and I really like them, which I have not liked them during the Penny Hardaway era in Memphis. Yeah, it certainly has been a nice turnaround for this Memphis team. And with Vanderbilt, to your point, losing to Presbyterian at home to begin the season. And they've dealt with some injuries, but even with getting these guys out back in the fold, it just has not materialized for them. So that has been rather rough as joining me on the show. We do have Mike Randall, does tremendous work over at FTN Network, joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And let's take a look at this game because a team that I know that you've talked about a lot on this podcast is Florida Atlantic. Now they have to go up against an Arizona team that, I mean, they're going to be out there on the West Coast. This is a game that is in Lovely Las Vegas for a noon Pacific time tip with Arizona being a six and a half point favorite, have been thoroughly impressed by Arizona. Where do you stand on this game? Because if you look at the sheer athletes, certainly Arizona has a little bit of an edge. But if you're looking at a chemistry aspect, there's very few, if any teams, that match out of Florida Atlantic. I agree. Now, listen, I loved Florida Atlantic last year, so this is hard for me to say. I like Arizona in this matchup. I went to the Jimmy V Classic with our own Mike Coutry and watched them play Illinois. Florida Atlantic is playing a very cocky brand of basketball right now. Their defensive metrics are not the same as they were last year. They're taking a lot of risks. They're susceptible to foul trouble because they're very aggressive on defense on the ball, and they take a lot of really undisciplined shots. I like them. But what I'm worried about with them, Greg, is that they are going to become this year king of the little people. They played a shorthanded Texas A&M team that was a nice win, but it wasn't really ideal for them. They destroyed Liberty, who I think was a little overrated. And then I think they were exposed by Illinois. They could not stop Marcus Damask. They could not stop Terrence Shannon. They combined for 66 points. So my concern in this matchup is on the defensive end for Florida Atlantic. I think they are going to try to outscore Arizona. I don't think it's the right move. And I don't believe from what I have seen, they are constructed right now to beat an elite Arizona team. Yes, it's six and a half. That's a lot, but I am going to take Arizona in this game because that defensive performance against Illinois, Greg, they are letting teams get to the basket. They're just letting them drive, and it's a concern for me. And I'm so glad that you bring that up as well because part of the reason why I love Florida and Lennox so, so much last year as well, they were a top 30 team in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis last season going into Friday, 72nd in points allowed on a per-possession basis. And buried in this game as well is that everyone talks about Arizona high-flying offense. If you look at raw points scored versus raw points allowed on a per-possession basis, they're actually better in the category of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Now, Grant, they got a little bit of three-point luck against Alabama. There's no doubt about that. But I feel like what's went under the radar with this Arizona team is that they're actually a really good defensive team, too. Yeah, they are. And the other issue, too, is the discrepancy on the free throws. Arizona shooting 74% from the line. Florida Atlantic under 70%, about 68%. I don't think there's a chance that Arizona shoots 4 of 17 from three-point range again. Yes, Alabama could not make threes against them. 8 of 40 is catastrophically (laughs) bad. But I think that Arizona will get some good three-point shots up. My only concern 
for this Arizona team is it just feels not, it doesn't feel right that they're going to rely so heavily on Caleb Love. He was firing shots in the first half of the Alabama game and couldn't make anything, and their offense kind of stagnated. So as long as Caleb Love staves within himself, I think this team is going to be fine. I think Arizona does cover the number and beats Florida Atlantic. For the reasons you outlined, their defense is not at the level it was last year, and they're not making free throws. And also watch out, Greg, for the turnovers. They're a little loosey-goosey with the basketball floor Atlantic. And I do think that they're going to have some trouble with Umar Balo as well, who I yes. think is one of the more underrated players in all of college basketball. As joining me on the show, we do have Mike Randall, who does absolutely tremendous work over at FTN Network. And I do think that we've got ourselves a very interesting day of college basketball on Saturday because we do have a lot of Big East Conference games as well. Like, we are going to be having the UConn versus St. John's game. Villanova should absolutely land base to Paul. DePaul has really fallen on some tough times. But what have you made out of these Big East Conference games happening before Christmas? Because I was alluding to it, you might not have as many fans on campus. But what I've really gathered from these Big East Conference games thus far is that it has just been all about the underdogs. It's been all about the underdogs. Now, this Connecticut-St. John's matchup is really fascinating. First off, Connecticut has looked so darn good. Another team I saw that Jimmy V Classic was Connecticut versus North Carolina. Gosh, did they look great. And Caravan's finger was hurt. He wasn't shooting well from three in the beginning. But I have to tell you, I'm going to stay with the underdog here with St. John's. They pretty much had a pivot point when they lost to Boston College. Players went over to, to Patino's house. They brought pizza. They talked about it. They are shooting better. They are scoring better. That was a very comfortable win against Xavier at home by 15. They beat Fordham. I get it. It's Fordham, but it was still 22 points. I like them in this spot. I know people are going to say it's a Connecticut bounce back spot, but remember, Connecticut can show that they can go in slumps just like everyone else, even though they're elite. They lost four of six games last year, and that's when Danny Hurley said, we're going to be good. Get us now because we're going to be really good, and he's right. But they could absolutely struggle in this game. I think it's too many points. I believe in Rick Pitino in this matchup. I believe in their offensive rebounding St. John's, which is third best in the country. I think they're going to bang a little bit. I don't think UConn runs away. It's been all about the underdogs, and I'm going with Patino and the Red Storm here getting the points at UConn. This should be a really fascinating game with the UConn team. I think that they're going to bounce back from the performance against Seton Hall, but when you've got a guy that's able to register a double-double like you've got in Joel Soriano for St. John's, that's a good elixir to one of the main strengths of UConn, which is typically just being able to be so dominant on the glass has joined me on the show. We do have Mike Randall who does great work over at FTM. That's joining me on Coast to Coast Soup saying something else that we're going to be seeing on Saturdays. Quite a few of these teams that had those guys that had to sit out because they were two-time transfers, they have returned, and a lot of those teams are going to be in action. West Virginia is going to be going up against Toledo. Southern Miss getting back Andre Cabello. They're going to be going up against Ole Miss. How do you take a look at these teams? Because I feel like it's been a little bit of a mixed bag with these teams, and I feel like maybe the metrics were restored a little bit too quickly on some of these guys that, while talented, they just don't have the game reps that a lot of these other guys do. And you tell with a lot of these two-time transfers that have returned, they've been a little bit rusty. Yeah, they've been a little bit rusty. I was fading West Virginia early in the year, and they burned me on a couple games. But no Jesse Edwards is a big difference maker for this team. That is a seven-foot player who's been dominant. He has played really well. He's hit some big shots. They almost beat Virginia on the neutral. He was excellent against them. So in their matchup here, I'm actually going to go with Toledo. Even though Toledo's defensive metrics are god-awful, 
I agree. I don't think this team in West Virginia, yes, they have Kirk Kreese back. He only had three points against Radford. Yes, they had Raekwon Battle, who was fantastic with 29 points, but there's a chemistry issue that's not there yet. West Virginia has lost their last two games. They lost a semi-away game to UMass. That was a bad loss. I get it. It was in Massachusetts. And you know the situation with Frank Martin and Josh Eilert, the relationship. I get it. Radford with a big win. That was a money line pick. And now Toledo. So this is tough. But West Virginia is going to have Ohio State on a neutral. And then they're going to start the Big 12 Conference here. So I agree. I like Toledo. Some of these players have been put back in the system. And you just assume that it's going to work right away. Even with Texas, who didn't cover today, Dylan DeSue comes back. But again, it takes a while, not only for them to acclimate, but the teammates to get used to them being back as well. Yep, I think that that's so big. And you mentioned it with the Jesse Edwards injury. That is huge for a West Virginia team that, yeah, you get back Kirk Risa, which is great. But Kirk Risa, he can shoot you into games. And boy, oh boy, can he shoot you out of games as well. So you're rolling the dice there, and I'm with you. I'm going to be taking a look at Toledo. Can't quite get there on the money line myself. But being able to get north of four points, I do feel like that's a relatively good spot. And, Mike, we do have ourselves a pretty nice slate of college basketball for Saturday. It's not expansive, but I feel like we've got quality matchups. Sometimes you get a lot of quantity, but you don't necessarily get the world's greatest matchups. I take a look at this board. I like what we've got. Is there anything else that is standing out to you, whether it's a team or two that you're going to be watching, or maybe it's a bet that you've already placed? There's a couple interesting ones here that I like. First off, North Texas has been fantastic uh, for most of the year on the defensive end. However, they have lost three straight games to Boise, Fordham in the semi-away game. They lost at the buzzer on a dunk, and then Mississippi State, a game that they really struggled in. They are home here against UT Arlington. Greg, I don't know about you, but UT Arlington here coming off the loss to Texas Tech, again, going to be focused here on the defense and trying to slow it down. I like North Texas to shake off the three-game losing streak and get back on the right path. The other thing I like about North Texas is that they are the fourth best free-throw shooting team in the country. So North Texas at home, strong defense, of course, acclimating with Ross Hodges, the head coach, 80% from the free throw line, great on the offensive boards, forcing turnovers in a rivalry if you want against UT Arlington. I like a good defensive bounce back for the mean green here at home. Yep, I do agree with you. And even though North Texas has a new coaching staff, that style remains the same. They're still one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. I like what I've been seeing in the versatility. And Mike, I know you're putting in so much hard work. It is a holiday season and That just means a lot of winners out there on the board, whether that be college basketball, the NFL, the NBA, you do it all. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you. And how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, three days a week on our FTN Fantasy YouTube channel, I have my college basketball betting podcast. We had a five-show streak of 69% winners with high volume. Last couple shows have been 500, but we're still well over 60% for the last seven shows. We go Tuesday, Wednesday at 2 o'clock, and then we go Saturday tomorrow morning at 10.30. We'll have Justin Perry on uh, from Shot Quality, which will be great. Follow me on X at Randall Rant. And Greg, you're just like me. I'm just a guy trying to get a Winthrop money line bet across the board here against Florida. <laughs> 
Florida State. That's the we love it. This is what we do. Absolutely, it is what we do. And by the way, Justin, a very big friend of the show as well. He does absolutely excellent work, just like Mike Randall does as well. A happy holidays to him and everyone listening out there as he always provides winners as some great presents this time of year. A big thanks to Mike for joining me on Coast to Coast Superstar, part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Saturday as we hit some bank shots. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot. 
The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Seats with myself, Greg Oops Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It's always great to get Mike Randall aboard. He does such good work over at FTN Network, taking a look at this great game of basketball that we all know and love, both the NBA side of things and the college side of things. On top of that, I know that he's doing an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at the NFL as well. All of his work over there at FTN Network, it is so masterful, and it's always great to be able to get him aboard. Big thanks to Mike for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Saturday as we hit some big shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash X feed at GNRS41. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is pretty much time order sans conferences that are going to be at the bottom. And these are the conferences that are at the bottom. The Atlantic Sun and the NEC. Those games are going to be at the bottom. Everything else is pretty much in time order. I can make it more complicated than what it is, but we don't want to. So let's get things started with 601-602 on the betting board. It is Providence and they play us at Butler. Butler is an 
underdog of five and a half points. Totals between 141 and 142 and a half. And for Providence, I did make them a four and a half point favorite. At north of five, I'm going to be willing to take the points and... For Providence, there's no denying it. This is one of the best home courts in all of college basketball. Even with some kids on break, even with it being the holiday season, I'm sure that it is going to be a ruckus crowd. I'm sure that Butler is going to have their hands full there. And for Providence, they've been able to do a really good job defensively. Providence is sixth in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But this is a very much new-look Butler team that is just not the same team that they were a season ago. And I do think that they're going to do a nice job guarding a Providence team that has been having a tough time taking care of the ball. For Providence, 14.3 turnovers per game and while the overall numbers are certainly there for Bryce Hopkins, 16.5 points, 8.5 boards. He is shooting just 22% from three-point range. I think that that'll be going northward. Meanwhile, Josh Oduru is 42% three-point shooting. I think that goes downward in each out of his first four years on campus at George Mason. He was shooting less than 30% from three-point range, so I do think that water is going to be finding its level on both of those guys, but what I think is going to be so critical for Butler is being able to win that turnover, as you do have Pasha Alexander who does a nice job generating north of two seals per contest. He gives out five and a half assists to about 2.4 turnovers per game. Now, he can't shoot to save his life from three-point range, but each of the top three scores for Butler, they all shoot at least 38% from three-point range. You've got Pierre Brooks along with Jamile Telford, who both been able to give you 15-plus points per game, and then DJ Davis. He chips in there right around about 12 points per contest. This is going to be a team that has a little bit of a tough time down low, in my opinion, but Andre Screen is a 7-footer that is beginning more confident by the game. You've been able to get a block and a half, 7 rebounds per game out of Jalen Thomas as well, and this is a Butler team that is starting to step it up in terms of their defense as well. You take a look at the way that Butler has been able to progress, and it has been quite impressive. Their defensive numbers are a little bit warped by the fact that they have been playing so many overtime sessions because they have that double overtime game against Cal. They have that game against Texas Tech. So if you're looking at the raw numbers, they've given up 70 plus points in three out of their last five games, but they've played much better than that on a per possession basis. Meanwhile, you do have a Providence team that is really sticking teams into the mud. They have given up 72 points or fewer in pretty much seven out of their last eight games. The lone exception being that Kansas State game that went to overtime, and that's the only time that they've given up north of 72 points thus far this season. So they've done an impressive job there, but I do think that for Butler, they're going to be able to find a way to be able to get their offense going. They've got a lot of nice three-point shooting. They do a good job of taking care of the ball as a relatively mid-tempo team. So I did set my total out of 142 and a half. You're right around 141, 142. Looking at the over, I think Butler provides enough scoring to hold in there. So we'll take the five and a half points, set my line at a four and a half, and take a look at the over. 603, 604 on the betting board. This is from the Prudential Center as Rutgers and Mississippi State to battle. Mississippi State, a two to two and a half point favorite. Totals between 131 and a half and 132 and a half. I set my total of 124. I'm going to be diving in on the under. These are not up-tempo teams, to say the least. Mississippi State, in terms of total possessions per game, they're right in the neighborhood about 200th. Rutgers, well outside the top 200, right around about 215th in terms of total possessions per game. And I just think that these defenses are going to bear down. Mississippi State has been a little bit intermiss in terms of defense, but they're still 14th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Rutgers is 4th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But I had to make Mississippi State a four-point favorite. This is just not the same Rutgers team when they're away from the rack. That's another one of the best environments in all of college basketball. This game still being played out there in the northeast part of the country, but just not the same environment, in my opinion. You've got a Mississippi State team that, even though the defense has been a little bit more hit or miss recently, they've still been able to do a rock-solid job holding up at the point of attack. They've given up 67 points or fewer in all but two of their games as far this season, and 
We've got a Mississippi State team that, while they still don't shoot it amazing from three-point range, I mean, it's better than what it was last year. Last year, they were 363rd, uh, 363 D1 teams in three-point shooting percentage. Now they shoot about 31% from three, but they go to score on Josh Hubbard, who's been able to log about 16 points per contest. And while Cliff Amarui is giving you darn near a double-double for Rutgers, he does an amazing job down low. You have to match up now with Jimmy Bell Jr., DJ Jeffries, and Cameron Matthews, a trio that has been able to do a nice job combining for about 21 and a half rebounds per game. This team has been a little bit banged up as I know throughout the season they've been dealing with some injuries to Keyshawn Murphy who's now back to the fold. You've had Trey Ford, one of the top junior college transfers in all of college basketball, be in and out of the fold. Wouldn't be surprised if he perhaps misses this game as well. But it is a Rutgers team that in terms of backward, they do have their liabilities. They don't necessarily turn the ball over a ton, but they shoot 64% free throw line. They only shoot about 31.5% from three-point range. Noah Fernandez, Derek Simpson was just expecting a little bit more out of them. Both give you about nine points, two and a half assists per contest. Simpson has been able to shoot about 37.5% from three. And getting back, Moamog, I think, is a big deal. He's been able to do a nice job since returning, shooting 40% from three-point range in his pair of games. And you could tell last year when he was out of the fold that this was an offense that very much did sell but I think that this is going to be very much a grimy game. I think both of these teams are really going to have a tough time being able to launch from three-point range. So I think both teams get stuck in the mud. I said my total 124, diving in on the under with Rutgers having to play this game away from the rack. I do think that that's cause for a little bit of worry. I set my line at four ball on the late with Mississippi State and diving in on the under. 605, 606 on the bang board. It is Penn and they throw it to face off against Ryder. Ryder finds themselves as one and a half to two and a half point underdogs. Your total between 143 and a half and 140 four and a half did set Penn as a two and a half point favor mostly seeing one and a half to two out there and I'm going to be one to lay it with Penn it is a Penn team that's done a really nice job of moving past the loss of Jordan Dingle Dingle was one of the top scorers in all of college basketball last year and they've really found a nice go-to guy in Clark Slashert he's been able to give you about 19 points three and a half assists shooting an unconscious 46 percent from three point range now we're going to see a little bit of regression there but this is a bunch of Penn that gets to go up against a team in Ryder that I mean on really both sides of it they are losing the battle in terms of three-point shooting. They themselves shoot right in the neighborhood about 26-27% from three-point range. That is a bottom 20 mark in all of college basketball. And then they allow their opponents to shoot about 33% from three-point range as well. Mervyn James has been a really nice scorer for this Ryder team at six foot seven. He's able to log about 19 points. He's shipping in their seven boards and he shoots about 35.5% from three-point range. But he, other than your number two scorer and Corey McKeithen, who's really stepped up 10 points on 39.5% three-point shooting. Nobody else on the roster shoots above 27.5% from three. I think we should see a little bit of a bounce back from TJ Weeks. He was over at UMass the last few seasons and is a career about 36 or so percent three-point shooter at UMass. He would always give you about eight to nine points per game and he and Tariq Ingram both have been able to give you about six half rebounds per game but for Penn, even though you might not have quite as much rebounding with this team, you've been able to get Nick Spinoso going. He's a very versatile, north of six foot six, sort of point four with about nine and a half points, three and a half assists for a Penn team that they shoot as a collective forty percent from three. Again, that should go downward, but they take care of the ball with about twelve turnovers per contest. And I really love what Tyler Perkins has provided as a true freshman. He has been quite consistent, thirteen plus points in four out of the team's last five games, shooting thirty six percent from the outside. You've got past that, not necessarily a ton of 
like amazing scorers, but you got guys that really know their role with this Penn team. They've been able to generate a few more turnovers with seven turnovers per contest. And if you're Ryder, if you're shooting the way that you are from three-point range, you really need to make do on the defensive side of things. And it's not to say that they're like some sort of an abject disaster on defense, but I mean, they're 284th in the country in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis. You just need a little bit more there. This is a Penn team that has been rather battle-tested on the road. They're more around 236th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. I do think that we see a little bit of a bump with this Ryder three-point shooting, but not enough to be able to pull it off in this spot. I did set my total 142.5 as I, again, do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression from Penn from the outside, but I just don't think that Ryder does their part in terms of this total, especially with having to rely upon McKeithen for darn near everything out there in the backcourt. So this is a circumstance where I'm looking at the under and I'm willing to lay up to two with Penn. 607, 608 on the banking board. It is Toledo and they throw their face off against West Virginia. West Virginia does find themselves as a favorite of between four and a half to five points. So this game is anchored between 151 and 151 half. Mike Randall did a very good job of pointing this out. The fact that right now you've got Jesse Edwards dealing with an injury, and that's a guy that's able to give you a double-double on any given night. I recognize that you now get Kirk Carissa back in the fold. You've also been able to get Noah Farrakhan back out there as well, and I know that it's been a little bit wishy-washy on the Raekwon battlefront as well, but even with all that, you still just don't necessarily have supreme rebounding, and that's where you're going to need to attack the Toledo team, because Toledo is always a bunch that they stack their backcourt, they don't necessarily have have a ton down low for Toledo. You really don't have anyone that's giving you north of six boards per contest. You've had Tyler Cochran, a six foot two guard, have to be Mr. Do It All with about 12.5 points, six boards, two assists, two and a half steals per contest. And he's really been able to crank up his allotment of steals per game as I believe that he's been able to generate somewhere in the neighborhood about like 14 or 15 in the last five games. That's been big and he's going up against a West Virginia backcourt that is very much new look. You've got Raekwon Battle who got 29 points in his first game back. That's something that you do like to see but again I do think that there might be a little bit of just joinedness with this West Virginia team moving forward even with Battle being able to put in there those 29 points. They still lose that game to Radford 66-65. It just feels like it's a team without an identity. Right now, Kirk Kreese is a guy that had four turnovers in that game against Radford as well, so some massive issues there, and for Toledo, this is a team that over the last two years, they've been outside the top 250, turns points a lot on a per-possession basis, but you do know that this team is going to be able to bring at you some offense. You've been able to get Raheem Moss along with Dante Maddox going in the backcourt. These two guys have both been able to give you 15 points per contest with Maddox shooting 38% from three, and all in all, it is a Toledo team that they do shoot 37% from the outside. It's been a West Virginia team that has been a work in progress all season long on the defensive front end. They're allowing opponents at home to shoot about 32.5% from three-point range. I do think that they're going to be able to do a nice job of executing in this ordeal. So this is a circumstance where I do think that Toledo holds in there. I don't know if they're going to be able to get the outright win. I still do have a few question marks when it comes to this Toledo team, but at the same time, it is a West Virginia bunch that, again, very new look, implementing a bunch of pieces and most likely going to be without Jesse Edwards, which is going to really cause them to rely upon someone like a Cook Cook down low. He's been a shot blocker throughout his career, but has never been really a primary rebounder. You've been able to get about five boards, five and a half points per game of Josiah Harris at six foot seven, but that's a massive downgrade as well. Clemson 
Slizinski does a nice job of being able to space the floor. Not necessarily a true rebounder as well. So I did set my total more around a 152. I think that without having Edwards out there, this is going to be a West Virginia team that looks to crank up the tempo with all those guards as well. So looking at the over and here at north of four, as I did set my line of four, going to be willing to take the points with Toledo. Made them a four-point underdog. 609-610 on the betting board. It is NC State. They play us to Detroit. Detroit is an underdog of 23.5 points. Your total on this game, between 143 and 144. And I did set NC State as a 24.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay this number. It's a Detroit team that has just been a disaster on defense. And that should come as no shocker whatsoever. Last year, they were a bottom 50 team in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. This year, they're a bottom 30 team in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Detroit plays at a super slow, super grimy style, and they rely upon offensive execution to be able to get the job done. And they're just flat out not executing on offense. This is a Detroit bunch that has not been able to get to 70 points in any of their games this year. Sands that one-off against Eastern Michigan where they got to 72. And Eastern Michigan is one of the worst offensive teams in all of college basketball. So it's really been sad to watch. And you've got a good primary score in Jaden Stone. Jaden Stone, 19 points per contest, shooting 34.5% from three-point range. This team is hoping that Ryan Hurst is going to be able to give them a little bit of a lift. A freshman that has come in the last two games. He's been able to log a combined 29 points, 13 rebounds in those contest, but for Detroit, they're shooting a combined 26.5% from three-point range this season, and have gotten close to no production whatsoever on the glass as well. You've been able to have uh, six and a half or so rebounds per game out of Eduardo Del Cadilla. He's a six foot eight combo player that began his career over at UNLV, but this team is just absolutely outgunned on that front as well, as you've been able to get right around about five and a half rebounds per game by both DJ Burns along with Mohamed Diara. Diara, I know, has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. It was very much limited in both those games against Tennessee and St. Louis, so something to be mindful of, but even if he does not play in this game, still have an NC State team that has been able to do a really nice job of taking care of the ball, nine and a half turnovers per contest. You've got Casey Marcel chipping in there, 13 points, and then between 13 and a half and 14 apiece out of Jaden Taylor, DJ turn it up. Horner are both shooting 40% from three-point range. Now being able to get out there, MJ Rice as well, I think is going to be able to elevate this team as well. He's another guy that should be able to do a relatively solid job on the glass. And for Detroit, they're a very inefficient offense. They're a very inefficient defense going up against an NC State team that in games have wrapped up in regulation because the Boston College game went to overtime. They had given up just 68 points in regulation there. So in regulation and regulation only, this is a squad that has now given up 72 points or fewer in five out of their last six games. So this is a circumstance where I do think that NC State could do a nice job putting the clamps down on Detroit. I'm going to be willing to lay up to 24 points with them and did sell my total at a 146 after Detroit. Just giving up points upon points in NC State. Though they're not as up-tempo as they have been in past years, they've been pretty stinking efficient. So looking at the over and going to be willing to lay the number with NC State. 611-612 on the betting board. It is Southern Miss and Mississippi. They're going to be playing out there in a neutral court in the great state of Mississippi and with Ole Miss, they're between a 10 to a 10 and a half point favorite totals between 139 and a half and 140 and a half and I did set Southern Miss as a 7-point underdog. I'm going to be willing to take the points. I think that this is a big proof-it game for a Southern Miss team that they have not necessarily been the world's greatest team on offense as far this season. And I don't think that Andre Cabello is the answer. Andre Cabello, can he be a guy that elevates the team? Oh, absolutely. He's got by far the talent to be able to do so. But the decision-making still is not there. He was able to have some great plays in his first game against Lamar. Again, that was against Lamar. But he still had four turnovers in that game as well. So he is going 
going to up the variance that you have with Southern Miss, but I do think that with Southern Miss, you're going to be able to have Donovan Ivory continue to shoot it well from three-point range and continue to take the pressure off of Austin Crowley, who's been a little bit of a do-it-all guy. 16 points, four assists, and having Curbelo out there as well, that is going to take a little bit of the pressure off of him as well. For Curbelo, once again, I don't know if he's an elevator, but I think that this is certainly a better system than what he was at when he was playing alongside Posh Alexander a season ago. And then with Southern Miss, you don't have that one guy that's necessarily going to be able to dominate down low, but Victor Uakar has been able to give you about four and a half boards, gives you a block and a half per contest. I think that he could be a nice racer against an Ole Miss team that they do rely a lot on their low post game. Now, the size advantage is certainly there with Ole Miss. As you've got Giants of the Earth, Musa Sise, coupled with Jamarian Sharp. Sharp at seven foot five has been able to give this team right around three blocks per contest, but I was just expecting a whole lot more out of Musa Sise. He has been in and out of the fold. I don't know if he's dealing with an injury or what, but he only played two minutes against Troy, and at this point, it's hard to really make him worth anything to the line just because it's not showing anything. You've got Alan Flanagan, though. Good versatility. Three assists, 17 points per contest, and this is an Ole Miss team that is currently shooting 39.2% from three-point range. As a matter of fact, each of your top five scores are shooting at least 36% from three, and among players that have made at least one three this year, they have one player shooting below 36.4% from three-point range, and that is a gentleman that is shooting about 25% from three, and Mr. Coward who's averaging one point per contest. That is the only person that has made a three thus far this season that is shooting below 36.5% from three-point range. What comes up must come down, and this is a Southern Miss team that when they had their success last year, they were doing a nice job of being a pickpocket, generating turnovers. They struggled with that towards the beginning part of the season, but for as much as Andre Corbello could be a liability on the offensive side of things, he's actually a relatively solid player on the defensive side of things, and for Southern Miss, they've been one of the least lucky teams in terms of three-point shooting as well. They are 316th in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Last year, they allowed opponents to shoot 32.2% from three. This year, that's more around 36.5%, and they did lose some pieces from season ago, but... I do think that we're going to see that reverse course just a little bit, and Ole Miss has gone off to their undefeated record with opponents shooting just 28.4% from three-point range against them. Again, I think that we should see a little bit of regression there. Does Ole Miss get a nice bump from Jalen Murray really coming to his own after he was a little bit of a, shall we say, part-time starter over at St. Peter's? Absidarn Lutley. Ole Miss has done a nice job of being able to take care of the ball, but I do think that the shooting regression is going to be there. I think that Southern Miss has been playing rather low tempo. It's going to be able to put the clamps down hold in there in a neutral court environment as these two teams are playing at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. So I did set my total out of 137. I think that that's going to bog down the shooting on both sides. I'm looking at the under and at north of seven, taking the points with Southern Miss. 613-614 on the bang board is Seton Hall. They hit the road to face off against Xavier. The X-Men find themselves as three to three and a half point favorites. And your total is between 146 and 147. I did set Xavier as a three and a half point favorite. So seeing the number where it is right now at a three to a three and a half, I'm willing to lay up to three. This opened up at a four and a half. And if we could get back north of a four, that'd be a take for me on Seton Hall. Personally, I'm in a little bit of wait and see mode, but if I had to bet it right now, I would be laying the three that I'm currently seeing with Xavier. It's a Xavier bunch that has been dealing with a lot of moving pieces. They pretty much lose all their top five scores from a season ago, but you've got a nice 
duo in the backcourt. And Desmond Claude along with Quincy Alberry who've been able to combine for about 33.5 points per game. And it's a Xavier team that has fallen off in terms of their three-point shooting, but Alberry along Gatis, Namiska, these are two guys that have been able to shoot north of 42.5% from three-point range. And for Xavier, even though you don't have a single guy in the roster that gives you north of 6.2 rebounds per game, they do a good job of rebounding by committee. Each other top five scores have been able to give you at least 4.3 rebounds per game. They go up against a Seton Hall team that they bring in Jaden Bediaco, who's been solid ever since coming over from Santa Clara. He's been able to give you about eight rebounds per game. I do have some question marks with this team down low. It is a Seton Hall team that was getting quite unlucky with their three-point shooting to begin the season. And I do think that there's going to be some positive variance for them from the outside as well. They're shooting as a whole 30.8% from three-point range. Elmir Dawes, Alvontre Davis, last year both shot north of 38% from three. They're combined shoot about 34% from the outside this year with both giving you 13 points apiece and for Kadari Richmond. I don't think he's going to shoot like 40 plus percent from three again this year, but he needs to be able to give you six boards, four and a half assists, two and a half seals, 15 and a half points per game, but shooting about 11 and a half percent from three par inch. We should be seeing that going northward. You've got Elijah Hutchins Everett back and forth for the Seton All team as well, but I do think that Xavier going to be able to hold their own down low. Just feels like game in a game out. Xavier has been able to get a little bit more comfortable. That Delaware loss was a big wake up call for them. The offense has been looking much better recently. 75 plus points in three other lines four games. Has been a defense that has been a wreck. They've given up at least 79 points in three of their last four games. And they're going up against the Seton Hall team that has been able to hold up at the point of attack on defense as well in past years. But they're not necessarily a defense that has been doing such an amazing job this far this season as well. I feel like Casey Ndefu no longer playing alongside Shaheem Hallway. That's been big as well as Hallway. <laughs> we used to use them very much down low. And in terms of points slot on a per possession basis, it is a Seton Hall team that's 139th in the country, giving up about 21.5 points more per one hour possessions on the road rather than at home. So it's an interesting spot. I did set my total at a 147.5. So here at 146, 147, going to be looking at the over and with the X-Men willing to lay up to three points with them. 615, 616 on the bang board. North Texas plays those to UT Arlington. The Mavericks are an eight-point road underdog with your total between 131.5 and 132.5. I just don't think you get enough possessions in this game to go over. I'm taking a look at the under. UT Arlington is more around 100th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, but this is a North Texas defense that is still no joke. Out of 362 Division I teams, they are 352nd in terms of total possessions per game. So they've sped up a little bit from last year, but they certainly are not playing at warp speed. And in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, North Texas still 46th in all of college basketball. It is a UT Arlington team that certainly has been slipping up a a little bit with their defense, who are in 39th in the country with this regard, though I will say for UT Arlington, you do have some guys down low that I think are going to be able to hold their own in this game, as you've been able to have Shamar Wilson lead the way with about 13 points, 9 boards per contest, and then you've got Dewan Gordon, who's been able to do a nice job chipping in there, 10 points, 8.5 boards. They both had a little bit of versatility, especially Wilson. Bob Threes had a 40% clip, and for UT Arlington, their scoring has went up the last few games because they have had Philip Russell back in the fold. He was the top scorer over at Southeast Missouri State eight seasons ago, has been able to give you 46 points in two games thus far, but he is someone that had darn near three turnovers per game a season ago, and I do think that North Texas is going to be able to do a good job of being able to force UT Arlington a lot of possessions. UT Arlington overall this year, 15.7 turnovers per contest, a bottom one hour mark in terms of taking care of the ball thus far this season, and for this ET Arlington team. You've got a lot of depth, but you've got a lot of guys like an Aaron Cash who comes over from Texas A&M, Fabio Basili, guys like this that they just haven't panned out as transfers. Meanwhile, North Texas, they've got a little bit more of a thin rotation, but I love what I'm seeing out of the duo of Aaron Scott along with... 
Jason Edwards. These are two guys who have been able to combine for about 27.5 points per contest. When it comes to Scott, he's been able to shoot 43% from three-point range. At North Texas, they get a little bit loose with the ball as well. They're turning it over right around about 13 times per game. Both of these teams don't necessarily generate a ton of turnovers, but for a North Texas team that they like to play things slow and controlled, I do think that they're going to be able to do so here. Keep in mind, it's a North Texas team that stands at overtime game that we saw against Northern Iowa, and if you're looking at regulation and regulation only, they had given up 68 points there. They have given up 72 points or fewer in every single game thus far this season. I do think that North Texas is going to make this a no-fun slog of a game, even with Phil Russell back in the fold. I do think the UT Arlington is still a little bit too sloppy with their offense to be able to push this total over, though I do think that they're going to hold in there against a North Texas team that has been showing some cracks in the armor as well, and they've got some questionable ball handling as well. So I did set my line at 6, being able to get 8. I'm going to be willing to take the points with UT Arlington. I did make my total 124, so going with the under to go along with those points. 617, 618 on the betting board is my DK Network right up Florida Atlantic is going to be playing against Arizona. This is from lovely Las Vegas with Arizona, a 6.5 to a 7-point favorite. Your total is between 160 and 161, and I'm going to be writing up Arizona. I am in firm agreement with our good friend Mike Randall. I set my line at 10 with Florida Atlantic. They're just not the same defensive team that they were a season ago. Last year, they were in the top 30 nationally in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis. This year, they're 72nd in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. I am so glad that Mike pointed out the free-throw shooting as well as Florida Atlantic is now shooting just 67.5% at the free-throw And This is an aggressive Arizona team in which if you're going to be able to hang with them, you're probably going to need to get to the free-throw line. You're going to need to knock down some of those free-throws. And thus far, they just have not been able to do so. Now, for Florida Atlantic, this has been a pretty tremendous offense. They're averaging 116.4 points per one hundred possessions or a top 20 team in all of college basketball with that regard. And you've continued to have John L. Davis, Elijah Martin be able to do a great job in the backcourt. 13 plus points per game out of both of these gentlemen. But you still have your question marks in terms of the defensive side of things because you've got Vladislav Golden who's able to do a nice job. 15 points, 7 boards per contest. But Arizona is the number one team in the country in terms of rebound rate. It is a Florian Lang team that's outside the top 125 in terms of percentage of opponent shots that do turn into a second chance. And Arizona's rebounding 36.8% of their missed shots. You've got so many guys there do a nice job of being able to hit the glass, including Kashad Johnson, Umar Balo. Both of these guys give between 6.8 and 7 rebounds per contest with Johnson. Good versatility. He shoots about 35.5% from 3. With those rebounds, generates a half, 13.5 points per game, and I was mentioning it with Mike. You've got an Arizona team that has really bared down with their defense. They're a top 10 team in all of college basketball. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. They also shoot 37.5% from three, and they go up against a Florida Atlantic team that when they've been away from Boca Raton, they're allowing opponents to shoot 37.1% from three-point range. Do I think Pell Larson is going to continue to shoot 55% from three? No, but I mean he has been an absolutely tremendous spark plug scorer for Arizona. Caleb Love seems to be much more efficient this season, still only shooting about 30% from three-point range, but the turnovers have gone down. He's just flowing good offense along Keelan Boswell as well. These guys have been able to do such a good job of working in tandem. And for Florida Atlantic, are they going to be able to do their part on offense? Absolutely. But I've got my question marks with them on defense. They're trying to implement Nicholas Boyd back in the fold as well, who is missing for right around about seven or so games this season as well. Got great depth with Florida Atlantic. I just don't think that they match up with the athleticism of Arizona, a team that ranks number one in all of college basketball in terms of total rebound rate. I did set my total 166. I think that this is going to be hairbrain up and down Arizona, a top 15 team in terms of 
total possessions per game. And Florida Atlantic has been very willing to run as well. So looking at the over and my write-up, that is going to be on Arizona laying the points. Set them as a 10-point favorite. 619, 620 on the betting board. Memphis is going to be playing us with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt does find themselves as an underdog of between 17 and a half to 18 points. And your total on this game is anywhere between 149 and a half and 150 and a half. I very much do think that this is such an improved Memphis team, and this is a Memphis team that I think is one of the best in all of college basketball. I think we've went a little bit too far here. Set my line at 17, so now that we're getting 17 and a half, 18, I even saw a few 18 and a half out there a little bit earlier as well in the open. I'm going to be willing to take the points with Vanderbilt. I think we have finally found that by super duper low spot on this Commodores team that they still do a nice job of taking care of the ball. They're only turning the ball over about 10.9 times per contest. The three-point shooting has been a little bit rough. You've got Tazos Camateros, the transfer from South Dakota, along Jason Rivera-Torres, who have both been able to shoot north of 40% from three-point range, but past that, nobody else on the roster is really shooting north of 32% from three-point range. You've had all sorts of injuries with Tyron Lawrence out towards the beginning part of the season. You've had Colin Smith in and out of the fold. Ezra Magnon has dealt with injuries as well, but you've got Magnon back out there, and I think that he's really the key for Vanderbilt staying snug in this game. Does a nice job not turning the ball over. Gives you 15 points per contest. Only shooting about 31.5% from three this year, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of a rise up there. You've got Colin Smith who's dealing with injury right now. I'm thinking that he's probably going to be out of the fold. That's your top rebounder. That's an issue, but you've been able to get a little bit more out of someone like a Van Allen Lubin who's been able to give you about six rebounds per game at six foot eight. He's able to let it fly from three-point range and for Memphis, this is a team that they can get a little bit loose with it. They do turn the ball for 13 times per game. They're a high-variance team with having someone like Adavi Jones, who's able to give you a triple-double. He's already done so in his career, giving you 21 points, shooting 40% from three. Going into the series, he was more like a career 30% three-point shooter. I do question if we're going to be able to see that moving forward. I know there's been a lot of, shall we say, issues involving Jordan Brown now being out of the full, but honestly, they've been playing better without him. You've got Malcolm Dandridge, who's doing just a fine job down low. Nick Georgian is able to pop some threes as well, but it does feel like Memphis is still trying to find out who they are a little bit as well. We could see a little bit of experimentation in this game. It is a Vanderbilt team that, on offense, man, it's been pitiful. They've scored 62 points or fewer in four of their last five games, and as we know, this is not necessarily the wall of just tremendous defense, but they've now given up 73 points or fewer in three of their last four games. It is a Memphis team that they can be a little bit prone to some, shall we say, defensive lapses. These are two teams that are not going to be winning any awards on that side of things in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. This is a Memphis team that is right around 97th in all of college basketball. Vanderbilt, well, it's quite a bit more rough with them, and Vanderbilt hasn't even necessarily played the world's greatest competition en route to 227th, but it's an interstate rivalry. This is a big deal game. I do think that Vanderbilt could be able to rise up a little bit more with their offense with Magnon back in the fold. I do think that they get a little bit of better three-point shooting variance going their way as well. I did have to set my total at a 149. I just don't know if you're going to get enough scoring to be able to go over in this game, and I do think that with Vanderbilt, they're going to be able to hold in this one with Magnon taking care of the ball. So, we'll take north of 17 with Vanderbilt and take a look at the under. 621-622 on the betting board. It is DePaul, and they play us to Villanova. Villanova does find themselves as 11.5 to 12.5 point road favorite. So, those between 134.5 and 135.5. Set Villanova's 14.5 point road favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number for DePaul. I was wondering when Mac ATM was going to come back in the fold. Apparently, he's been back for four games and has scored as many points as Greg Peter said. That's not good. That's not good at all because I thought that he was actually going to be a halfway decent player for this team. Was a former top 75 recruit. Nope. Right now he is 
Walked 20 minutes in four games with zero points. Just absolutely pitiful where this DePaul team is at. They don't have a single guy that's giving you north of 4.2 rebounds per game. I guess you've been able to get some good production out of Chico Carter, who's always been solid. Whether he's been at Murray State, South Carolina, what have you. 14 points, 4.5 assists, shooting 42.5% from three-point range. And Jeremiah Odin, who's coming from Wyoming. 13 points, 4 boards on 45% three-point shooting. I actually fear we're going to see regression with this DePaul three-point shooting. They're actually shooting 36% from the outside, but... They turn the ball over 15 times per game, and it's a Villanova team that they might not be the wall of tremendous defense. They certainly have been rough in terms of their opponent's three-point shooting percentage over the last few seasons, but it feels like they've been able to find it recently. They were able to have that nice win against UCLA. They really got it rolling in that game against Creighton. Villanova up to the top 65 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and DePaul, well, they have just been defeated. DePaul, 255th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. For Villanova, they did bring in quite a few transfers, so you have to question if it just took them a little bit of time to find their seed legs, but Eric Dixon, Tyler Burton, have been able to combine for about 15 rebounds per game. Dixon logging 15 points per game and shooting about 37% from three-point range, and Villanova just continues to do those little things well. 9.8 turnovers per game. They shoot 81.5% at the free-throw line. You've been able to have Justin Moore give you more when he's been out there on the floor. He's been dealing with injury the last few games. I'm thinking he's going to be out for this one as well, but even with them off the court, this team has been able to excel without him, which is something that we did not see a season ago. And if this is a long-lasting injury for Justin Moore, you have your question marks. You don't have your question marks as much when you've got a DePaul team that's really struggled. And in these two games that we have not seen more, it's been Akeem Hart who's been able to step up. He's now given the team double figures in each of their last three games, generated a pair of steals in that win against Creighton. You've got Jordan Longino, who's been able to give you some nice production as well. He's been able to log at least eight points in each of the last five games. Combined six steals, six assists, and two turnovers in the last two games as well. So Villanova coming into their own. They're playing a slow little bit of a grinder style. And you got a DePaul team that I think is going to see a fall off with their three-point shooting. DePaul very sloppy with the ball. So I did something I told 132 and a half, diving in on the under. And Villanova willing to lay up to two touchdowns, made them a 14-point favorite. 623, 624 on the betting board. This is from lovely Las Vegas. It's Santa Clara and Duquesne. Duquesne, a three and a half to a four-point favorite. And your total is between 152 and a half and 153 and a half. Did set Duquesne as a two and half point underdog. I'm going to be willing to take Santa Clara outright on the money line. I do think that the fact that this game is played in lovely Las Vegas makes a little bit of a difference here. And for this Duquesne team, what I think is really going to be hurting them, they have to contend with so much size in this game as you've got a Santa Clara team that has Christoph Tilly, seven feet tall. Johnny O'Neill at six foot ten is able to let it fly from three point range. Carlos Marshall has all sorts of versatility at six foot six, 15 points, five and a half boards on 47 half percent three point shooting. Certainly, I think we might see a little bit of a fall with that three-point shooting, but for Duquesne. Right now, you've got one guy in the roster that's giving you north of 4.8 rebounds per game. That'd be Fusani Drame. He's been able to give you 8 points, 6 boards. He's been pretty versatile as well, but his brother Hassan, just not kind of going. 4 points and 3 rebounds. He expected a little bit more there, and it's a little bit of a top-heavy team. Dede Grant, Jimmy Clark the third. These two guys have been tremendous. Being able to log about 36 points per contest. You have Clark giving you 2.5 seals, 4 assists per game, but they both are shooting about 31.5% from 3-point range, and this is a Duquesne unit that I thought was going to be a little bit better on the defensive side of things, and it's not to say that they've been, like, horrible or anything like that, but they're about 119th in the country. There's points a lot on a per-possession basis. Now, we have been seeing a little bit of a fall for the Santa Clara team at right around 171st in the country. There's points a lot on a per-possession basis, but keep in mind, Santa Clara actually has three wins against the Pac-12 thus far this season. It is a Santa Clara team that has been a little bit all over the place in terms of their defense, but I attribute that to in their last few games playing against Utah State, playing against New Mexico. This team has challenged themselves time and time again. 
I like what I'm seeing out of Adama Ball, shooting 40.5% from three in Santa Clara. While they do turn the ball for quite a bit, 13.5 turnovers per game, they are shooting 37.5% from the outside. Each other top three scorers are shooting at least 40% from the outside. This is a Duquesne team that has been very much leaving themselves open to giving up these three-point shots now. Santa Clara, they themselves have been getting cooked from three-point range as well. So it's going to be an interesting something's got to give sort of scenario, but I just don't know if Duquesne is going to be able to capitalize on that. Meanwhile, it is a Duquesne team that is allowing opponents to shoot 34.7% from three, and I think that that's going to be a little bit of an Achilles heel, especially with Santa Clara, in my opinion, having the size advantage down low and should be able to win the battle on the glass. So I did set Santa Clara as a two-and-a-half point favorite. Going to be willing to take them out right on the money line, and I did set my total at 144.5. Neither of these teams playing super-duper up-tempo. I recognize it's been a little bit hit or miss in terms of these two defenses, but we have seen the Duquesne team now give up 72 points or fewer in four other last five games, and their offense has been held below 70 in three other last four as well. And I do think that Santa Clara going to be holding things to a lot of one and done chances in this game. So diving in on the under and going with Santa Clara a right on the money line. 625, 626 on the betting board. It is St. John's on the road facing off against UConn. UConn, a 10 to an 11 point favorite with your total between 148 and 149. I do think that this is a good bounce back spot for UConn. I did set them as an 11.5 point favor. Would not want to lay anything more than the 11 that I'm seeing right now, but going to be willing to lay it with St. John's. There's still quite a bit of a work in progress with their defense. They're 65th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. And what is very telling for me is that they're giving up about 22.3 points more per 100 possessions when they're on the road rather than when they're at home. Because if you look at what has happened recently with the St. John's defense, they've given up 66 points or fewer in three of their last four games. That was against Sacred Heart, Fordham, Xavier, and Boston College. And if you look at St. John's, when they played against these lesser teams, like a Holy Cross, for example, they've been able to do an amazing job of blowing these teams away. They've had a little bit of a tough time with regards to the step-up games. You've got Joel Soriano, who's going to be able to hold his own down low, 11 boards, 18 points per game, and you've got Chris Ludlum, who's been able to give you about 7.5 rebounds per game as well. Nobody else on this roster is giving you north of 4 rebounds per game. And it is a St. John's team that they've been turning the ball over a little bit more than what you'd like, 12.5 turnover per game as it's a St. John's team that they play at, I think the best term to put it, is a brisk pace. They play a little bit of tempo, but it's not like they're going to blow you away in terms of tempo. 110th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. This is a UConn team that has been doing a nice job playing a little bit more under control. 250th in the country, and I just don't think that there's anyone on that St. John's side that's going to be able to match up with Tristan Newton, who had a little bit of a rough game last time out against Seton Hall, but still can give you a triple-double on any given night. 16 points, 5.5 assists, 7 boards on 35.5% three-point shooting, and then Cam Spencer shoots 44% from the outside with 15 points per game. Donovan Klingon, Alex Caravan, both give you 6-plus rebounds per game, so that's a nice elixir to all that you've got down low on the St. John's side. And then you're able to couple that with UConn doing a nice job taking care of the ball. 10.3 turnovers per game. It's a UConn team that is so incredibly well-rounded. They're a team that ranks in the top 25 nationally in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per possession basis. Granted, they've had a few teams that have been a little bit more cupcakes as well, but for St. John's, they're a team that they really didn't challenge themselves much in the non-conference portion. They did have a few games out there, and I believe it was either Myrtle Beach or Charleston, but I mean, you've got a UConn team that's had to go through Kansas, UNC, and Gonzaga in their last five games. It's a battle-tested team that I think is going to be able to get up off the mat and in front of their home crowd be able to get a double-figure win. I did set my line at 11.5. I'm going to be willing to lay the number, and I did set my total at 149.5 with the way that Spencer and Newton have been able to execute 
execute in the backcourt. And the way that St. John's has really had their defensive numbers warped by their, shall we say, soft schedule, I do think that UConn lays it on them. So I'm looking at the over, and I'm going to be willing to lay it with UConn. This slice came on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we hit the extra game, 627-628 on the card. It is Missouri State. They hit the road. They're facing off against St. Mary's. St. Mary's is an 11.5 to a 12.5 point favorite. Total on this game is anywhere between 129 and 129.5. I did set my total at a 127. I'm going to be one to dive in on the under. You've got a St. Mary's team that is playing at one of the slowest paces in all of college basketball. And for St. Mary's, they're well outside the top 200 in terms of points scored on a per possession basis. So I will give credit where credit is due. This is a Missouri State team that is much better with their offense this year than they were a season ago. Missouri State has been able to ascend to right around about 102 points per 100 possessions as far this season. In. They're about 167th in the country in terms of points scored on a per possession basis. And for St. Mary's, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do their part with this total. I did set St. Mary's as a 12-point favorite, but seeing the line where it is right now, we're seeing a lot of 12 and a and 13 and a pop up. I'm going to be willing to take those points with Missouri State as Missouri State, a top 75 team, turns points a lot on a per possession basis. They've actually cranked up their tempo. Missouri State last year, bottom 40 team in terms of total possessions per game. They're now a little bit more of a mid-tempo team this season. And for Missouri State, they've done a good job of locking you up from the outside. They're in the top 15 in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. St. Mary's, they've been able to do a relatively solid job with their defense as well. At home, they're allowing opponents to shoot right around 31.8% from three-point range. Not an amazing mark, but it's a mark that's relatively passable, but I do think that overall the versatility that you've got with Missouri State is going to be able to keep them alive in this game. Donovan Clay is someone that stands right around 6'8". He's been able to shoot threes better this year than he has been able to in past years. He's able to give you six-plus boards. He's able to give you three-plus assists. Chipping in there in the neighborhood of 15-plus points per contest, while Olsen Mason has really been that primary scorer. He's been able to give you about 19 points, three and a half assists on 40% three-point shooting, and when it comes to team rebounding, out of your top five scores, you've got three guys giving you at least six and a half rebounds per game for Missouri State. Meanwhile, for St. Mary's, they do have Mitchell Saxon, who's done a nice job down low, 11 and a half points, nine boards per contest. It's the St. Mary's team that's one of the best teams in the country of not allowing second chances in terms of teams grabbing an offensive rebound. And for Ada Mahaney, still been able to give you 13 points per game, but only shooting about 30% for three. And as a whole, you've got a St. Mary's team that shoots 29.3% from three point range. You've got one player on the St. Mary's team that is shooting below 100% from three-point range. We are going to toss out the metrics of Rory Hockey, who's been able to go four of four from three-point range thus far this season. That is shooting above 30% from three-point range, so you really have absolutely nothing from the outside. I do think that St. Mary's going to be struggling with that aspect. I think that this is going to be a grind about slow control game against a Missouri State team that's been able to do a relatively solid job on defense as well. If you look at regulation and regulation only, it's a Missouri State team that has now given up 66 points or fewer in far their last five games. St. Mary's just continues to play good, tenacious defense as they have given up in regulation because the UNLV game not just went to one overtime, but it went to two overtimes, but they have given up fewer than 66 points in pretty much all but two of their games thus far this season as well. So I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring slog. Semi-total 127 diving in on the under and won't take north of 12 with Missouri State. Now let's hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, 
but there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. 306-501-306-502, Long Island is going to be on the road facing off against Mount St. Mary's, and the Mount finds themselves as 13.5 to 14-point favorites. Your totals between 144.5 and 145.5. I set Mount St. Mary's as a 20-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number with Long Island. This has been a little bit of an improved team thus far this season, but I just can't buy into them in this spot. It's a Long Island team that still continues to be one of the worst teams in the country in terms of being able to throw the ball in the basket in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. You got 362 Division I teams, and they're currently clocking in 355th. Now, you have been able to get a little bit more with about 12.5 points per game out of Eric Acker. That's been a nice sign, but it's a Long Island team. That's a mid-tempo team that turns it over 15.5 times per game. They shoot 29.5% from three-point range, and now one player that's giving you north of 4.3 rebounds per game and six foot five RJ Green. Now for Mount St. Mary's, this used to be a team that was really good on the glass when they had guys like Blake Jefferson, Nana Akpu, and company, and they don't have a single guy that gives you north of four and a half rebounds per game as well. So that's a little bit of an issue. But with Mount St. Mary's, it does feel like the offense is starting to get a little bit more efficient. You can tell that there was a little bit of an adjustment period without having Jalen Benjamin, their main point guard from a season ago, but Deshaun Montgomery along Dakota Lafue have been able to combine for about 32 points per contest, and for the Mount, they've really sped up their tempo. They're now a top 125 team in terms of total possessions per game, and they've done a nice job generating steals. They're getting about 8.5 steals per contest. It is a Mount St. Mary's team that's been a little bit all over the place in terms of their defense, but the offense has stabilized. 72 plus points in four of their last five games. Defensively, they still have given up 65 points or fewer three of their last five games with the lone exceptions being against SC teams and for Long Island. This team is just not throwing the ball in the basket to save their lives. It's a Long Island bunch that has scored 67 points or fewer at all but one of their games thus far this season. So it is a little bit of a situation of something's got to give. I did set my total 144. I think we're going to see a little bit of a tick up with this Long Island offense, but I think that that's because they're going to speed up the tempo and that allow Mount St. Mary's, a team that's playing quite a bit faster than they did a season ago, to get a comfortable win. So going to be willing to lay it with the Mount, set them as a 20-point favorite and diving in on the under semi-tall 144, 3 of 6503, 3 of 6504. UNC Asheville is going to be playing us Kennesaw State. We give our own to Lane Kiffin, go Owls as Kennesaw State, a 2.5 to a 3.5 point underdog. Your total on this game is 160.5 to 161.5. Seeing mostly 2.5s out there, and personally, I would rather lay a 2.5 rather than take a 3.5. This is a Kennesaw State team that did make the NCAA tournament a season ago, but they're a little bit of a new look bunch, and I just question how they're going to be able to fare in that matchup against Drew Pember. Drew Pember, he's someone that's saying 6'10", Shoots in the high 30s from three-point range. Just an absolutely exceptional athlete that's able to give you multiple blocks per contest. 17 and a half points, seven boards per game. And you've got a UNC Asheville team that has a great point guard to boot. As you've been able to have Caleb Burgess be a tremendous pass-first guy. 5.1 assists, so about two turnovers per game. He doesn't shoot it well from three, but UNC Asheville as a whole, they do shoot 37% from distance. And they go up against a Kennesaw State team that has really been running it and gunning it. This is a Kennesaw State team that's in the top 20 nationally in terms of total possessions per game. And they do bring back quite a few guys like a Terrell Burton from the season ago. He's been able to do a nice job, give you four plus assists per game. And it is a Kennesaw State team that they do an okay job of guarding from three-point range, about 138th in the country in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Meanwhile, it's a Nashville team that's more around three, 256 in the country. Very interestingly, UNC Asheville. Well, you opponents to shoot 43.3% from three-point range at home and more like 33% on the road. So I do find that to be very interesting. And that's a metric that should be able to balance out. But 
for Kennesaw State. They did lose essentially their top three scores from a season ago, so Simeon Kotal has had to step up. I think he's been able to give the team 16.5 points per game. It is a Kennesaw State team that they generate a few turnovers with about 8.5 per contest, but the shooting is just not what it was a season ago. Shooting 67.5% of the free throw line, 32% from three-point range. Throw in there, Nicholas McMillan, who's able to give you about six points per contest for Asheville, while you do have Devin Robinson, who's been able to do a nice job down low for Kennesaw State. I just think that that's too much to overcome, and I do think that the overall athleticism and and the just matchup that you get with Drew Pember. It's going to be a little bit too much. So it is a spot where I'm willing to lay up to two and a half with UNC Asheville. Did so by total 159. These two teams already played this season, by the way. And in that first matchup, you did see this game go under in overtime. It was 79 to 76 in overtime. As in regulation, it was 65 to 65. It feels like Kennesaw State is trying to dial things back just a little bit. And for UNC Asheville in that first matchup, they won the rebound battle 52 to 39. So I think that they're going to be able to do that. Once again, they're going to lose a turnover battle in like all likelihood, but I think that the rebound disadvantage is going to be too much. One delay up to two and a half with UNC Asheville and diving in on the under, and we wrap things up with 306-505, 306-506. It is Eastern Kentucky, and they hit the road. They're facing off against Alabama. Alabama, a 23 and a half to a 24-point favorite, and your total is between 166 and 167, and did somebody total 172 and a half? I'm going to be looking at the over. Eastern Kentucky is just getting absolutely cooked from three-point range, and you've got an Alabama team that are they as good as their nearly 40% three-point shooting was going into that game against Alabama? No, but they're better than the 6 of 40 team that we saw a few nights ago as well, and this is a perfect get-right spot for them. Eastern Kentucky out of 362 teams, 362nd in the country. They're allowing opponents to shoot 44.3% from three-point range. Now, they've got the best shot blocker in all of college basketball in Isaiah Cozart, and I'm not even kidding when I say this. He's averaging about 5.5 blocks per contest. as been able to pull in there between 9 and 10 rebounds per game. He's been able to do a tremendous job down low, and you've got overall good versatility with this Eastern Kentucky team. Got a pair of guys in Devontae Bland along with Michael Moreno, who both saying 6'6 six six plus. They're able to pop some threes. Bland has been your primary guy out of those two. 15 points, 6 boards. It is a Eastern Kentucky team that they do generate about 8.5 seals per contest as well, but they also turn the ball over about 13.5 times per game. They've been getting destroyed on defense, and it's an Alabama team that's leaving a lot to be desired on defense as well. For Alabama, this bunch has given up at least 80 points in now 5 out of their last 6 games. Actually, I think that's 7 out of their last 8 games, but if you've got Mark Sears, so maybe we'll give you 3.5 assists, 20 points per contest, shooting 45% from three-point range. Alabama, despite the fact that they're one of the most up-tempo teams in all of college basketball, they only turn the ball over about 11.5 times per game. And to match the versatility of Eastern Kentucky, you've got Grant Nelson, who's been able to do a nice job with six boards, a block, 14 points per game, has all sorts of size. You've got an Alabama team that is able to run a very, very deep rotation. You've got essentially 10 different guys giving you at least 7 minutes per contest. They're all capable of shooting. They're all very interchangeable parts. And for this Eastern Kentucky team, they've been having a really rough go of it on defense as they have given up at least 75 points in 8 out of their last 10 games. So I do think that we're going to see Alabama put up a very, very big number. I do think that the shooting that wasn't there for them a few nights ago, it is going to be here in this one. Set my total 172.5 looking at the over. But I do think that for Eastern Kentucky, they're going to be able to hold within this number because Alabama, they themselves give up a whole bunch of open looks. And I do think that for Eastern Kentucky, they're not going to quite be as bad on defense as giving up 44.3% from three-point range. But I think you get yourself a nice up-and-down game. So going to be willing to take those points. We 
with Eastern Kentucky. Set them as a 20 and a half point underdog. And looking at the over end, that'll wrap things up for the Saturday edition of Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. A big thanks to Mike Randall. That's tremendous work over at FDN Network. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what I have before this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline, FDN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like here on this podcast by that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season. That means I'm coming at you. Let's get them out. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.